You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to Life's Mountain for our football podcast, previewing Week 11. You know who it is? Jeremy here. Matt hanging out. Uh, how you doing? You doing well out there in uh, Fresno, California? Doing well. Excellent. Good to hear. MWR.com is our website where you can find everything we do. Uh, podcast. If you're listening to this, you obviously found us. Maybe uh, give us a review somewhere, a rating if you like us. That'd be great. Anchor at .fm is where every feed should I'll say it for a while, Matt, because it's like, it's like in the radio business. Everything can be new for like up to 18 months. <laughs> so you keep saying it. It's like, here's a new show. It debuted in 2018. It's still within the 18 month period, guys. We could call it new. So that's a fun fact. I didn't know. It that. is like they. Oh, it's overdone. It's like, hey, did you know this show's new? Eh, two years ago. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of the deal. So we'll keep mentioning Anchor.fm. Um, you can find us, you know, everywhere else. Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, all sorts of stuff. You can find us. But just give them little nuggets as they come through. So we had a show earlier this week with me and our good buddy Raj, who does some Boise State stuff for us. So we talked about the playoff, Matt. Mm-hmm. And for those who didn't listen to it, it was long. We didn't intend it to be an hour. So apologies and or you're welcome, depending on your view of that would be. But we figured it was kind of a lay of land of going through a lot of scenarios. So if you'd like to go through and dig through, what if Navy and Army matters? And we have to postpone the playoff rankings. We got you covered on that, too, if that happens, which, hey, it could happen. It so, very well could, yeah. It very well could. So since, Matt, you weren't a part of that conversation, just – because we talked forever and schedules and stuff we'll talk for briefly a moment or if you missed the podcast go listen to it or here's our take a little a very very condensed version so matt what was your thoughts because you put out our projected rankings and you were fairly close outside of a kansas state being weird well it wasn't i mean there were a couple of teams that i either overrated or underrated how uh how they were going to end up and ironically the two ended up next to each other in the mid-teens and that was kansas state on the one hand well, I believe I had five spots lower. Yeah, I think I had like 21 or something, didn't you? Yeah, 20? 21. Because, I mean, and I wasn't sure if the, how much helium they were going to get just based off of their win over Oklahoma, which obviously is one of the bigger wins that any team in that group has at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the one that I kind of overrated was Minnesota because, you know, there's been a lot of conversations and you can probably find a whole lot of other podcasts and articles that have gone into more depth about this. Um you may remember that they beat Fresno State early in the season, had to go to double overtime to do it, had to escape South Dakota State, had to escape Georgia Southern. Um, Purdue but then a well. funny thing happened, and they actually got good, and they started beating up on teams that they that they should probably beat up on. Did they get good, or did they just get lucky to play Illinois, Nebraska, Rutgers, and Maryland? <laughs> well, and it was I mean, they've got good. I mean, yeah. we knew ahead of time that they were going to have good pieces, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, Tanner Morgan's really coming to his own. Uh, Tyler Johnson's still an all-conference performer and so on and so forth. Um, I thought they would be closer to Baylor than they actually ended up. You know, Baylor ended up at 12. They're kind of in that same situation where they're both undefeated. Um, but who have you and, played? And, and podcasting played nobody has gone into this in more detail, but they're both in, in what they call uh, purgatory, like playoff purgatory, like not really sure what to make of it. We're going to learn a lot this weekend, though. 
because uh, the Gophers go to Penn State, if I'm not mistaken. Battle of Undefeateds. No, yeah. it's a, no, they host Penn State. Number four. They host Penn State. Even, oh, even more interesting. Um, but, you know, for our purposes, of course. Who cares? We're worried about the group of five. And, you know, I can pat myself on back at least a little bit because I had Boise State at 22. And that was where they ended up. Let me ask you this. Did the committee, because I, I forget who put it, maybe it was Raj or somebody on Twitter, did they just jumble them so closely just because? Like, here's who we're going to put 2025. 20 I guess Cincinnati's good. They're ranked over there. Memphis beat SMU. They got to be good. We know who Boise State is. Navy, oh, they have only have one loss. Okay. SMU, they're ranked high, so we can't completely put them out of the rankings. It's, does it seem to you they just kind of just put jumbled teams there just because? Or do you think this is like the actual order at this t- place in time? Cincy, Memphis, Boise, Navy, SMU. No, I mean, there's a reason why they did it. And if you go back and look at the article I wrote ahead of time, my projection article, uh, I laid out the strength of schedule for the teams that I thought would be mm-hmm. in the mix. And that was mostly with regards to San Diego State. Because the one thing that we learned from last year and that I attempted to correct for in this year's first projections, um, strength of schedule matters. And when you look at where the group of five teams ended up in particular, you know, there's Cincinnati at 20, Memphis at 21, Boise's at 22, Navy's at 24, Southern Methodist is at 25. None of those teams are really separated by strength of schedule at this point. You know, obviously Cincinnati had their blowout loss, you know, on the road at Ohio State. But, you know, the rest of their schedule has been kind of fine to this point. Mm-hmm. American's tough. Like they've beaten but, UCF and they But everyone okay. else is within like, you know, the, the mid 60s to like the mid 80s, if I remember correctly. And the one thing that the Aztecs in particular had going against them, which is why I didn't project them. And at least for now, they didn't make the top 25 is, you know, we we knew going in that their strength of schedule, at least by Sagarin, and this is where I was getting all these numbers for it, mm-hmm. we're still in the triple digits. Yeah, it's not good. And if you're a group of five team, we learned this about Utah State in particular last year. And Marshall a couple years before that. When they were pummeling teams, and even though the AP had Utah State ranked 18th ahead of the first reveal last year, they didn't make the cut last year. So what that means for San Diego State is they've still got some work to do. And like you said, the AAC is likely to at least eat itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be discouraged if I was an Aztec fan because it only took Utah State two weeks last year to get ranked. They kept winning. You know, they caught a few breaks nationally. And that was how they made the cut. And I think, you know, for Boise, to see them kind of in the middle, you know, they're basically third out of the five teams in there. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right when you look at their strength of schedule, and I think that their loss the AAC is likely to beat each other yeah, a little bit. That helps them, you know. But their loss Boise is the worst State's, loss of any team in consideration. Yeah, and even then, you know, as the weeks go by, if BYU keeps beating up on their November schedule like they think they can, and they probably should. Yeah, is it really gonna? I know the committee looks at six wins or better, six or less. That's kind of equal. But are we going to care if BYU is 7-4 and four going into the San Diego State game where they've beaten in a row Liberty, UMass, and Idaho State? Maybe. I mean, I don't, I don't know so. how much they take into consideration like the teams that the teams beat. Because it's still a team that beat a Tennessee team that mm. is improving over the last month. A uh, USC team that, even if they aren't in the Pac-12 race directly anymore, could still probably win eight or nine games. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not nothing. It's helpful, I mean, but I'm just it's saying still, it's, it's, it's yeah, still an eyesore. Yeah. Me. 
Yeah, it's but it's not like losing to Ohio State, let's say. Yeah. Or it's not like, you know, losing a close one to Memphis mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. So I think it's still anybody's game just because of the fact that the strength of schedules are, uh, you know, at least for the most part, still relatively close to one another. I think there's plenty of opportunity for any of these teams to climb. I, you know, it Here, all comes down to just keep on winning. Here's what we know this week to next week. There's not many games that will factor. We'll talk about our games here, but you have Wyoming, Boise State. That's probably going to be Boise State win. And then the only other games that are like within the American, like UCF, they need a ton of help. They need Cincinnati to lose twice, which isn't going to happen. So like they might be ranked soon, but they're not going to be a consideration moment. SMU is going to beat East Carolina at home, and UConn is going to lose to Cincy. And so there's not like a ton of games. So I'd bet next week this order is probably going to be the same. And San Diego State, assuming they win, they won't be ranked this next week either. It'll take them like Utah State a couple weeks to get in there just because when teams are not playing, I know Aztecs are playing, unless they just kind of smoke um, Nevada, maybe they'll get them at 25, but I don't think they'd drop a team if they're off. It's, who knows, the playoff committee is not the same as the other polls, which is good. Like a loss doesn't necessarily move you down or a win's not going to move you up just because. But I'm pretty sure pending what like wake iowa minnesota all those teams do the order for the group of five will still be cincy memphis boise navy smu they might be up a spot but i'm pretty stressed what it'll end up being next week too i mean i would never say never if only because you look at the teams that ucf and uh, smu in particular are playing um tulsa's given some of the best teams in the american some headaches in recent months maybe one i mean i've made the choke on twitter that they're basically mountain west enemy number one at this point yes, because they barnes cowboys because they <laughs> choked it away against both smu and memphis that in too. recent weeks yeah um and they host the knights so that's something worth yeah but the knights are on friday only, night knights need extreme help and so i don't really care about them at the moment i mean i think they're still on the periphery like San Diego State's still on the periphery. Well, but remember, so, conference champions required, man. They're two games back in their own division. And, you know, the more carnage, the better. Yeah. It's just I would say. That's why and then, Navy Army, come on, let's do it. <laughs> and then even though SMU is still like a significant favorite over East Carolina, we just saw East Carolina drop 42 points on Cincinnati. It's true. So um, against a defense that's that's shown itself to be a little more suspect, like the Mustangs, again, if you're looking for – you know, something to kill the time while you're waiting for the Mountain West games to show up later on Saturday afternoon. 9 a.m. Pacific. 9 a.m. ESPNU. Just keep one eye on that. You know why? SMU's a three-touchdown favorite. Over-under, 71.5. Yeah, there's going to so, be some points in that game. But likelihood, it's going to be the favorites win, and the order is going to be the same. That's kind of what I'm Prop. getting at for next week. But you, but you never know, and that's well, what's beautiful. I know you game. never know, but I'm going with the odds here. Yeah. Um. Like it. Like all that matters. It's close. We don't. Again, go listen to what me and Raj did. But there's. We'll see next week when it, when it actually gets closer. But you're right. The American eats each other alive because you have Memphis. You have Navy. Like Navy plays Notre Dame in two weeks. It's like that could be. Like I just in the podcast. If I'm looking at this the right way, if I'm when I rank, when I'm going to do my kind of pecking order, one loss teams, it's going to be. Uh, Who do I have here? I think Memphis number one because they play Cincy that last week of the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put Navy behind Memphis because Navy, they could have the best win and be the highest ranked team. But if they went out, they're not getting in because Memphis has to lose. Yeah. And so there's a couple of things like behind the scenes, look at like tiebreakers and stuff. But my order kind of be like Memphis. Um, I think I put Boise fourth just because how it's laid out. So there you go. That's where I'm at. So you can hate her or whatever. But I'll, I'm good. When I do my piece later, I think whenever you list is soon, I'm going to base most of the most off of projected to win out because Boise State's the 
highest has the best percentage of winning out of any team ranked at the moment. So there's that too. All right. Should we get to our regular regular scheduled games? Yeah, we should probably make mention though that one of the games that was scheduled for this week though is postponed. Correct. Air Force at New Mexico is game postponed. I kind of had the inside info before, but like can't say anything about it because you know can't do that type of thing. Player passed away. Shoot, I should have it in front of me. Um, Najee Flowers. Najee Flowers. Yes, he passed away earlier in the week. So our Air Force and New Mexico both have a bye week, November twenty third. They had a players only, coaches only meeting the other day, I guess, during practice, and said, "Yeah, let's push the game back a week to the open week." So that game will be as they both have a bye week, November twenty third. Yeah, and it doesn't impact too much of anything, but uh, unfortunate, take time off, get better. It's a tough situation to be with if you're in Mexico out there with yeah. one of your teammates passing away. So we'll get to that game in a couple weeks. But actually, games we do have. It's a um, we did we were gonna have a day game. This is an all night affair, Matt. This is an evening shift type of late afternoon evening shift type of games. Here we got. Yes, it is. Well, let's just go with the game. We're both going to be confused on. 4 p.m. Pacific, Utah State at Fresno, CBS Sports Network. The line has increased quite a bit. Fresno is now a six-point favorite against Utah State. Do we think that's more of optimism on Fresno State or pessimism about Utah State? Probably more pessimistic on Utah State. Fresno State has been a touch better, but I think if you're weighing those two out, the heavier side would be on Utah State, pessimistic of not playing well, not having David Woodward, and just basically crash and burning compared to preseason expectations. So, okay, so let's talk about that Utah State team for a moment. Like, what do they need to what do they need to most improve upon or most turn around in order to have a chance in this game? I think they need the running game to be better. It did it when Jalen. I know because when they're winning, like remember they almost beat Wake. They probably should have beat Wake. They were using the running game to win with Jalen Warren and Gerald Bryant. Warren's been hurt for a while. That's not helpful. Um, that's when you look at the Air Force game, no turnovers by um, Utah State, no picks by Jordan Love, but it held the ball for 15 minutes. So that's kind of an outlier, but it just was their defense gave up so many points. Like, mm-hmm. they, the defense has been issue. They give up 30 plus points in three of their games, three, four of their games this year. Three of those are losses, or no, all four are losses, excuse me, Wake, um, Air Force, BYU, and LSU. Yeah. So defense needs to play better, but I think the main, main thing is kind of get the running game going. And also, Jordan Love's not great. It's like watching that game last week when they were losing to BYU. The I don't know if we remember if we mentioned this on the podcast or not last week, but they were still with it being like thirty-five to fourteen, twenty-eight to fourteen, still fawning over Jordan over Jordan Love being a great quarterback in the NFL. I mm-hmm. even like I over at the Athletic they had a NFL draft. Uh, I thought I tweeted out, but I didn't because my phone was being weird. Like I asked a question, like in Dane Bugler saying, like, so what about Jordan Love? What do people think about him? And it's partially, let's see if I find it here because I had the screenshot, but partially it's like, well, maybe it's him losing a lot of talent. Maybe it's a team around him. It's like there wasn't a clear answer on what he is. Uh, I think, thought I had it here. But it's basically, it's kind of like, well, he lost a lot of talent, so is that the issue? Or is it the issue just because he's not very good this year or competition is better? Because there's about three to four different scenarios. It's like, hey, here's why he is struggling. I think I got it here. I just want to read it real quick. Here we go. So like screenshot, he goes, Oh, that's the Navy thing crap. Maybe not. Dang it. I'm going to pass because this is not sounding great. But basically his answer was it's a combo of talent and people still see why it could be better. But I don't care. So we're not talking about the NFL here. We're talking about college. He's throwing picks like crazy and not as well as last year. Because think about it. The competition, is it really – outside of LSU, is it really that much better than last year? So is he – okay. It's a lot. This is not an apples to – an apples 
comparison, but is he basically just like the new Josh Allen? Ooh. No, because Josh Allen can run the ball and move the ball a little bit too. Well, that's what I mean though. Like, you know, his his junior campaign was significantly better than his senior campaign. Yeah. But, you know, the Buffalo Bills still thought enough of his upside to draft him high in the first round. And he also so lost a lot of talent, so there's that too. Because obviously Utah State runs an entirely different offense, so it's not quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, little, that was just the thought that I had. A little, but here's the thing. like Josh Allen can still run when his final year. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love isn't really a running quarterback all that much. He extends plays, but he's not like a running QB. Yeah. So, but he's throwing so many picks too. I know a lot of talent's gone, but it's a. Uh... And that's what I'm saying. It's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison, but that it's not necessarily about the stat sheet as much as it is about the raw tools that have been maybe a little bit inconsistent. Okay. Here's my, I found the response he put on here. So he put Jordan Love is a great example of how hard it can be to separate reasons and excuses when talking about quarterbacks in non-original or non-optimal situations. He says I talked to some scouts and they. Talk about how underwhelming he's been this year, but then I talked to others who mentioned the lack of supporting cast and new system as reasons for our struggles. I'll stop there real quick. He's not going to run the system David Yost the NFL, so that shouldn't really be in the equation either. They're not going to mm-hmm. run that type of offense. Then he goes, Love has a very interesting decision to make. This is the most crazy part. Most interesting decision to make after this year. The two most likely outcomes. Leave for the NFL draft or grad transfer. Ooh. Possibly to Texas Tech to reunite with Matt Wells and David Yost. And he goes on to say he's still in the first round mix if he declares because the raw talent is that appealing. Mm-hmm. Would he really go to Texas Tech? I'd just go to the NFL oh. if that's the case, right? <laughs> I guess, yeah. That, that's a kind of a bold thing there. But to your point, it's like it's a mixed bag. It's like, well, he, he looks like he's the guy, but how do you look like? It's like it's the stupid thing. Jamarcus Russell, LSU years ago. Looked mm-hmm. like the dude. He played well at LSU, but he ate the playbook and ate everything, and he just had a huge arm. That's it. He looked the part, but he wasn't a good quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I don't that's think co- that's the situation. No, that's like that first example. I mean, like the dude looks like a quarterback, mm-hmm. like the, like oh, he's six four, six five, great arm strength. That that's not the that's not saying Jordan Love's going to be Jamarcus Russell and he whoppers every day. I'm just saying like he looks like a quarterback. He throws like a quarterback, but he's not producing. I'd say that's the first name that came to my to my to me. That's like the most obvious one. So so tying that back into how this game could potentially unfold, I see a couple of potential advantages for Utah State. One, which relates more directly to Jordan Love, uh, Fresno State just doesn't have a pass rush. Nope. Like the you know their their sack rate has basically plummeted over the last month or so to the point that it's down on defense to three point nine percent, and that's one hundred and seventeenth nationally. Uh, meanwhile, for, for all of the flaws that, that Love has had, like his offensive line has actually been really good this year. And I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this on previous preview podcasts, but it's still worth noting again that on offense, the Aggies are still eighth nationally with a sack rate of just 3.3%. So it seems likely that they're going to give him time. Um, and, you know, it might just be a matter of not you know, doing what he did last week against BYU and basically make the same mistake twice or anything like that. Uh, interception too. Terrible. Because Fresno State, for all of the kind of glaring mistakes that they've made, has still been pretty good about defending the pass. Like, you know, they've I'm, I'm trying to look up what I wrote down. They've they have an interception rate on defense that's actually eleventh nationally, four point one three percent. So they could be in a position where if he does make mistakes you know, there's plenty of playmakers back there that can make him pay for it. Mm-hmm. 
and they've actually been pretty good about preventing chunk plays that Utah State was so good at uh, creating through the air last year. Um, so, th- I mean, that's one thing to really keep in mind is, you know, if they give him time to throw, you know, is he going to be able to make clean throws, get the ball to his receivers? Because we've seen them do it periodically, but not consistently. And the other thing that they may have in their favor, which kind of goes back to what your original point was, can they establish the run? Um, Fresno State hasn't been very good about defending that either. You know, just by line yards per carry, they're 111th nationally at this point. They're 113th by opportunity rate. So runners like Warren and Bright should have opportunities to get to the second level. And one thing we may have overlooked last week in the win that they had against Hawaii is that the the Warriors were still able to average well over six and a half yards per carry. And if Utah State can get that going, if they can keep what looks like an improved Bulldogs offense off the field, you know, when you're looking for a recipe for road upset, I think it starts with those two things. That possibility for road upset to happen. Uh, that's, a good, that's a good thing to say if you think about that with the Fresno State, what they've been doing. Do you mm-hmm. think, but do you think, I know they haven't been great. I think they could do it though, possibly. Like Utah State's not really good either. And that's the other thing is because, you know, for as good or for as, as rough as it has been for the Bulldogs defending the run, um, Utah State's kind of in that same boat recently too. You know, you look at some of the more advanced statistics, line yards per carry, opportunity rate, stuff rate. They aren't getting the same kind of penetration that we've been accustomed to in the past. They're in the triple digits nationally in all three of those metrics. Uh, and we just saw BYU with a running quarterback last week really kind of hammer that point home. And when you look at what teams have done on the ground in the Mountain West, um, did you know without looking it up that Fresno State's now number one in the conference in yards per carry? That would be surprising. More than Air they Force? Are, they are 100th of a yard more per carry than Air Force. Whew. That's and wild. that's really and that's really a testament to, you know, the offensive line, which has really been kind of uh, maligned, I guess, in a lot of ways, because they they had a really hard time getting the ground game going at least early. But when you look at what they've done over the last three weeks in particular, they had over seven yards per carry against both UNLV and Hawaii. Yeah. And they were over six yards per carry in the loss against Colorado State. So that's something that given Utah State's struggles in that regard recently, that it seems like they should be able to exploit that again. But you mentioned David Woodward being gone for the year a little bit ago. It's also worth keeping in mind that Fresno State's center is also out for the year, Matt Smith. Is that uh, a big deal? Doing, it might be, because they are starting a four-star fre- uh, redshirt freshman, Tyrone Sampson. But you know, center is one of those sneaky positions that it may not always be a smooth transition. So that's something to keep an eye on. Is you know, if they can't you know set protections properly, maybe that gives Utah State uh, an advantage with their pass rush, which has been really mm-hmm. uneven this year. Uh, even without David Woodward, maybe they find a way to rebound, kind of keep the game close, if not give themselves an opportunity to get ahead. So what do, what do we think about Utah State's offense then? We kind of gone through the other side of the ball. We talked about Jordan Love. Are they going to like I know you mentioned a pass rush isn't great, but like I think it's gonna be all running game for Utah State if they're gonna do it. I mean the opportunity is there, but it's just kind of a big if because you know, again, I think we've talked about this on a previous podcast, but they're still just on a per drive basis, they're hundred and sixteenth nationally in points per drive. So I think the opportunities are there. 
to exploit where Fresno State has been shaky on defense, but at this point, it's kind of a really big if. Yeah, I, I don't know because I, I'm not confident. Like, Fresno's been playing a little bit better with some momentum there, but um, Utah State's like, you got blown out. Are they going to come out pissed and want to do this thing? Or are they just like, oh, we're just going to play and hopefully make a bowl game or something? Because they're on the I, verge I think, of not making that if they lose I this game. I think what this game ultimately comes down to is which which offense do you trust to be more mistake-free? Ooh, that's a good question. I think that's where this game will turn one way or the other. How many Do you have have it how many turnovers uh, uh, Rainia has? Uh, I know he has six interceptions. I don't know how many fumbles Oh, I was just kind of afraid of that. Jordan Love, just for the record, is 12. Yeah. So Well, and his interception rate, which I think is a more accurate way of looking at mm-hmm. it, is almost three times higher at this point than it was last year. Yeah, he is not playing well. I, I don't know. It's like, I think, honestly, I think the loser of this is not going bowling. I think there's a decent chance that could happen. You know what the, that sounds like? Must win. It does. It sounds, and it also sounds like a segue towards uh, picking a winner. Let's do it. All right. So, what does FEI and everything have on this game? All right. So, uh, FEI likes the Bulldogs in this one. They favor Fresno State by eleven point eight. Uh, Bill Connolly's SP plus metric also likes Fresno State um, by just three point nine now, with fifty nine percent win probability. So, what's your pick? I think both teams are going to be able to make some noise, especially on offense. Um, I do not trust Utah State not to make mistakes, though. So I'm going to take Fresno State to win this one. I'm going to say 35 to 27. So they're going to win and cover. Yes. Interesting. I... You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take away the best player in the field is. I still think it's Jordan Love. Okay. I'm not confident in it. It's a shaky pick for me. I think it'll be like 28-27 Utah State winning. All right, then. Extremely close. And also, just for the heck of it, there'll be some sort of defensive touchdown in this game. That, that's a, that sounds like a bold prediction. It is bold. Why not Why, why not go bold? That's a good point. All right, so that's what we got for Utah State, Fresno State. Next game is, uh, this is all the evening games. We have a uh, 8-15 local mountain time, ESPN, Wyoming, at Boise State. A 13.5 point favorite for the Broncos. Uh, for Wyoming, the big news, Sean Chambers is out for the earthy knee injury. We have Tyler Vanderwall taking over, and Matt, we've seen Tyler Vanderwall play before, and it's not pretty. Uh, I put it out there on Twitter, I think, almost as soon as I heard the news. And I hate to say it because they've been a fun team this year. Blow out. Um, I think Wyoming is doomed. Here's why they're doomed. I'll give you a reason why. Last year, Vanderwall played in 10 games as a freshman. 5.3 yards per attempt, five touchdowns to four picks, did not crack 50% completion, 48.8%. And if you want something even worse, he was 417 against New Mexico. Well, in the preview <laughs> that I that I wrote for the game from uh, Boise State's perspective, I'm covering for Raja on that front, um, he's one of two Mountain West quarterbacks to have that completion percentage under 50%, under five and a half yards per attempt with more than 200 pass attempts. It's just, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a lot of running, which could help Wyoming, but if it's see, ever... See, I don't think that it will, though. Well, you're right. Because yeah, go ahead. Chambers has that element. You know, Chambers was a very significant part of that rushing success. That's true. Tyler Vanderwall does not have that same ability. 
Yeah, he had last year. I assume this includes sack yard sack yardage. Minus sixty three yards last year. Mm-hmm. He had only two games, or excuse me, sorry, four games of more than zero yards. Yeah, and and Wyoming has been an above average rushing team, obviously, uh, and they really kind of hit their stride, especially against you know, defenses that they should be able to run the ball against. But you know, again, if you go back to the first half of last year in particular, when Vanderwall was under center. I mean, you go back and you just look at what they were able to do yards per carry wise, and it's not pretty. It's not. So, like I mentioned, the running game, I said they tried to run, but you're correct. If Chambers isn't running, like, will Validate whatever be able to get 190 yards on the ground? That's an excellent question. Like, they're going to. My initial answer is no, probably no. not. I'd say no, but also if you think about it, where, yes, they have a good running back. At least the past couple weeks, Chambers was upticking in his completion percentage. He was getting a little bit better, and he also ran the ball. But what's Bo- what can Boise do? Boise will literally probably play, or at a lot of times, okay, you have two wideouts, maybe three wideouts, two, let's say. They'll just put single coverage and bring everybody up and force him to throw the ball. And yeah, if I they mean, beat you, fine. They'll beat you like once, like, then we'll change the defense a little bit. This seems like another instance where Curtis Weaver in particular could really wreak havoc because – you know, and again, this is another thing we've talked about in the past. Boise State, as a team, has a has a has an okay sack rate, mm-hmm. and but Curtis Weaver had no doubt been kind of the lion's share of that. You know, they have a sack rate that ranks in the top twenty five nationally, but uh, you know, I think it's the the big difference is can they get into those you know, passing downs in particular? Can they win on first and second down against the ground game that you know Wyoming is going to lean on? Because when they get into passing downs, which is just you know second and eight or more, third and five or more, fourth or five or more, Boise State is ninth nationally with a 13.9% sack rate. So that is when Curtis Weaver eats. That is when the rest of that defense eats. And to me, at least for right now, that seems like the most likely outcome, that Wyoming is really going to scuffle to move the ball, and they're going to need to get chunk plays that I don't know they're going to get against this defense. So I think that's right as well. It's, a, it's going to be a long day because well, it's not going to be a long day. Here's the thing, too. Even if Wyoming struggles that, their defense is good enough to not make it a huge, a huge uh, deficit or defeat because it's only a 48 over-under, not even two touchdowns fair for Boise State. So I could seriously see this game being like 21-7, 21-3. I mean, probably. I think what Wyoming needs to do to win this game is they need to muddy things up. Yeah, And that, I mean, that maybe gets into talking more ex- uh, explicitly about the defense because the defense has still been very good, mm-hmm. basically week in and week out. Um, and when you just break it down by what they've done on a per-play basis in conference play, the only defense that's been better than them, oddly enough, is Utah State. Hmm. You know, on, on they're allowing 4.86 yards per play. And one of the things that I didn't realize when I was – thinking about this game but i think it's going to be very important did you realize that wyoming has seen more pass attempts than any other team in the country on a per game basis wonder why that's the case no i did not know that teams have thrown the ball nearly 42 times a game against the cowboys but are they successful doing that not really then why are they doing that for the season i think a lot of it is because they're playing catch up in a lot of respects Mm -hmm. but um you know, one thing I looked at is, you know, they have a 56.4% completion rate allowed. They've 
only allowed nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. They have the second best opponents passer rating on the season. And they've been even better than that in conference play. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that when they have been able to get early leads, you know, they force opponents to try to throw to catch up. They have really put the clamps down after halftime. And one thing I looked at with regards to Boise State is that Hank Bachmeyer has been much better in the last three quarters than he has been in the first quarter of games so far this year. Mm-hmm. So one thing I think it's going to make a huge difference is whether or not the Broncos can get off to a fast start. You know, if they choose to lean on the ground game, which again, you know, took them a while to get going last week against San Jose State. And this is a much better front than that Spartans front. So if it takes them a while to get going, if Bachmeyer can't find those chunk plays down the field, basically if, if Wyoming's secondary can lock up John Hightower and Achillean Butler and company, the longer this game goes, you know, as like a one-score game, the more I think Wyoming can kind of hang around and put a scare into them, you know, just by virtue of the fact that this defense is playing at a really high level right now. Yes and no. I I th- I my th- I'm picking Boise to win and maybe win big. Like, well, I guess big by more than two touchdowns. Is that big? Is that a big victory? Well, I mean, it would cover the spread, I believe. It would. So, what does FEI say for for this matchup? Okay, well, let me just throw one more thing out. There. Okay, one more. And because you know, if Wyoming can make this game into one of field position, it's worth noting that the defense has basically been elite when it comes to preventing opponents for scoring on long drives in particular so even if the offense can get like 20 30 yards and then they have to punt if they can force boise backwards on a per drive basis wyoming is fourth in the country when it comes to defending points per drive on long drives which is essentially when opponents start within their own 20 yard line and on a net points per drive basis wyoming's actually ahead of boise state based on the strength of that defensive performance so that's something to keep in mind Okay. okay. Um, I'll keep that in mind, I guess. Sure. Okay. Like I said, I'm not I mean I'm not saying that it's likely, but I think that if Wyoming can like I said, if they can muddy things up, they can make things a lot more interesting than a lot of people would suspect. Um FEI though does like Boise State to win by eight point one points. Uh SP plus also favors Boise State by ten point eight, which is a seventy three percent win probability. What do you say? Like I said, I mean, it just kind of goes back to what I said at the beginning. I think the offense ultimately is kind of be it's going to be DOA. So for as good a defensive performance as I think Wyoming could put up in this game, I just don't think it's going to make a difference. I have Boise State winning twenty-one to six. Twenty-one to six—that's a big victory there. It covers the spread. It does. I think the only way Wyoming stays in this game is if you mentioned muddied it up by getting like short fields and maybe defensive touchdowns. That's prob- awesome. probably yeah. the only way they're going to get this game in their favor. Um, I'm going to go, because I think Wyoming's defense is good enough to kind of keep the score down a little bit, but I'm going to go 31-10 for Boise State. All right, then. So that's kind of a, a big blowout there, I guess, if we're looking at that and, and those numbers. So let me type in my 31-10 to 10 here, and we'll get moving on. Next game, remember, all evening games, 830 uh, Pacific, San Diego State hosting Nevada. Matt, did you notice this? This is a night game. At Qualcomm, not on CBS. It's amazing, isn't how did, it? How, who paid somebody off to get this game on ESPN2? <laughs> <laughs> the same. We, we know um, San Diego State, night games, home of CBS Sports Network. 
but that's not the case. It's this game, Aztecs are a whopping 17 point, or sorry, the line is 17 points. Okay, but what people really want to know is what, what's the over-under in this game? <laughs> 39 and a half! <laughs> wow. Okay, all right. That's got to be like the lowest in who knows how long. That is a, that's a very Aztecs over-under. Let's put it that way. What is that, winning 25 to 8? Uh, that would be like 24 to 14, basically. Well, not if you get the line. Not if you consider the 17 points as well. Uh, just just FYI, this is the third time this year that San Diego State has had an over-under under 40 points. How have they done in those games? Won them all? Uh, no. Against the spread, they lost against Weber State and won against Wyoming. And they went under against Weber State and over against the Cowboys. Yeah, Weber State covered without scoring any points. <laughs> so you can't really learn anything from that. Oh, but that's low. That's like, tw- yeah, 20 to, I don't know. 25 10 something like there 20 something something like that 27 10 i guess would be what we're looking at 28 11 interesting game though because both teams still have a lot to play for they both have a lot to prove yeah nevada's gotten a touch well i guess not touch better but more stability because i guess they know who their quarterback is they rebound beating okay new mexico 21 10 carson strong is their quarterback with the suspension not suspension work on your academics um Shoot, Lee Henry from, is not playing at the moment. So it's good to know that that's your quarterback, right? Like knowing who it is, bad news, you're playing San Diego State's defense. But, folks, with a running back, Talatua, who we've mentioned all year long, has not been playing well. And so that 17-point line might be a little low. Well, it may or it may not be. I think a lot is going to depend um, – on Nevada's ability to kind of do what they did last week against New Mexico because they didn't really take a lot of chunk plays out of the Lobo secondary until later in the game. What they really tried to do early on is they basically tried to nickel and dime them with the passing game. And mm-hmm. Carson Strong in particular was completing a lot of really short throws to start with. But, I mean, if you really want to drive the point home as far as uh, a degree of difficulty increase – you know, again, you're talking about going from one week to facing the the highest opponent's passer rating so far this season to the lowest. Um, and that's really, again, a credit to San Diego State's defense where they are, you know, middle of the pack as far as completion rate is concerned, but they are basically one-to-one as far as touchdowns to interception rates, eight and eight. And they're still giving up the fewest yards per attempt in the conference. So I think they might be more than happy to give up those, you know, four, five, six short passing plays, as long as they don't get beat deep, I think the Aztecs will still be kind of, they'll be happy to play that game and see if Nevada can kind of work their way down the field that way. Yeah, I'd rather have that, especially with the running game not going. It's like, well, why don't we just, yeah, sure, try to be us in there. You, you can do it, right? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I Yeah. It's well, really hard to say. I don't think that's the case, really. But one thing I want to see flip it to the other side is this the game Juan Washington finally gets like 100 yards and plays better than his, what, 3.2-yard average per on the ground is? Because that's why I want it. Same with uh, Tawa a little bit. Washington's beginning the work, but he hasn't been getting any production. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to take them seriously as a group of five team to get to near six, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, they have to have him running the ball well. He's currently sitting, what I guess he's, well, I guess the total yards, whatever, 432, who cares? But he only has two touchdowns, not good. He's still getting 20 carries a game, but he's barely cracked 3.6 yards of run. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like they need him. Like the past co- he's been getting better the past couple games. Like the Weber State, UCLA weren't good. He's hurt, but he's been getting above three. But he four four point eight last week, five point five the week after. This is a week where he needs to get to his overall average. I guess get above four if you can, if that's feasible. But get a hundred yards. That's all I'm asking. Is that too hard to ask? Versus Nevada's rush defense. I mean, it's hard to say because you when when you look at what Nevada has done as far as defending the run week in and week out. They've either been like surprisingly solid, and I think the most recent example of that was the fact that they were able to contain Amari Davis last week in their win against New Mexico, or they've just gotten the doors blown off of them, as in you know the, the previous two games before that when they were basically non-competitive on the road at both Utah State and Wyoming. And so to me, that's where you start looking at this game is you know who is going to win that battle in the trench between San Diego State's offensive line and Nevada's defensive front because we've seen them be able to make plays. Like we've seen, you know, Dom Peterson very quietly having another very good season for the Wolfpack. You know, how much of an impact is he going to make in this game? Um, they've been just very up and down as far as their ability to defend the run. And, you know, if they can get closer to what they did against the Lobos and then against the San Jose State Spartans before that, where they basically made the the Spartans one-dimensional, they made 16 carries for 15 yards, one-dimensional. That, I think, is, you know, the kind of thing that could give San Diego State headaches because, you know, I don't know that they necessarily want to have Ryan Agnew you know, throw the ball 30 times to win this game. Nope. <laughs> but if Washington can't do more than, you know, grind out three and a half yards per carry, or even the guys behind him, like Jordan Bird or whoever, you know, if again, if Nevada can kind of muddy things up and kind of keep things close, you know, force a, a game of field position, that I think works in their favor, maybe. It does. But also, one note about that rushing game. Now they're so Jekyll and Hyde. They gave up 0.94 yards to San Jose State, mm-hmm. but they also scored two touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like they've, they've been, it's it's hard to say. You know, this is one of those things where sometimes the numbers can be deceiving because if you yeah. just look at, for instance, some of the more advanced measures, like yeah. Nevada, surprisingly, top 30 in line yards per carry allowed on defense. And you know, they're in the top 40 as far as power success rate, which means they've been very good when it comes to, you know, short guarders situations on the ground and their top 40 and stuff rate as well. Um, so again, I think it's going to, it could be a situation where it's harder than it looks for San Diego state to do what it really wants to do, which is establish the run. Well, so if we look at this game overall, I would say, I think if we're going to look at one or two things that could make the difference, like I honestly like I'm joked the 17 point line might be too low. I think that's way too high with the over under because we could see Aztecs win this game like 20 to three. Mm-hmm. That won't surprise me. They may not even score. They may score fewer points than what the line is of 17 and still win. I Kirsten Strong seems fine at quarterback, but I think it's going to be Aztecs just what they've done years past where they're not going to blow a team out partly because their running game isn't really great. Quarterback plays fine. Defense is above, well above average. I think it's going to be like take the under of this one. I think I don't think there's going to be forty combined points in this one. I mean, I think you're right. Um, are we are we pivoting to making picks then? Let's do it. What do you? Okay, I'll do mine. Time. Oh, hold on a sec. Oh, this is wild number. I'm starting with mine here real quick. Hold on. Okay. So it oh, this is crazy. So number fire. Actually, now I'll start with team rankings. 
Team rankings has San Diego State winning 28.7 to 11.2. Okay. Which is is fine. Number fire, they give Nevada 15.1 points. San Diego State, 41. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. (laughs) That is beyond interesting. Wow. And, And I will add to that, I'll say that FBI also likes the Aztecs quite a bit in this one. They favor them by 23.1. Uh, SP Plus uh, likes the Aztecs as well. Maybe not quite as much, though, but it is still 16.5 points, which is an 83% win probability. I'm going to go San Diego State 20, Nevada 6. So I think Nevada will get a couple field goals, and that's about it. And that's Um, going to just hold the ball going forward. By the way, for anybody betting out there, here's a fun fact for you. Um, San Diego State has gone under in every single one game but one this year. You mentioned the under point spread under 30. Is this their, or under 40? Is this their lowest one, or they've had a couple lower? Uh, no, there was 36.5 against Weber State. Okay, jeez. And, and 38 against Wyoming. Wyoming okay. was the only game in which an Aztecs game has gone over. Gotcha. So take the under. That's what I'm doing, folks. 20 That's to what six. I'm doing as well. What do you got? Um, I'm going to take Nevada plus the points, though. Um. San Diego State, I think you're right. They need a blowout. I still don't have a lot of confidence that they will. I think it's going to look like a lot of their other games this month. I'm going to say 24-17. So relatively close. Yeah. All right, let's get to the last game of the day. It's an hour earlier than normal. Is this because Hawaii doesn't observe daylight saving time? It might be, yeah. Because I believe they don't change the clock. So that's why it's a... 8 Pacific kick, 11 Eastern, so it's an hour earlier than normal, which is good for everybody, right? Good, yeah, yeah. I would I would say so. It's not as late. That's fine. San Jose State at Hawaii. Game's on Facebook if you're on the mainland. I, yeah, it's on Spectrum since it's in Hawaii. So, Matt, you're able to watch on Facebook this week, so no hustling on your part to find this game. Too much. Yes. yes. And the over-under, holy crap, 76.5 points. Checks out. Hawaii favored by 8. Does that check out? That's an interesting line. Because remember last week, Fresno was a road favorite versus Hawaii, and I think San Jose State's probably better than Fresno. Maybe. Maybe. In, in, in some respects. Close. I mean, it's like, okay, relatively speaking to a 10-point swing, I wouldn't say there's a 10-point difference between those two teams. Maybe not, no. So this game is going to be the court, the quarterback game of the year, possibly. It might be. Might not if be. Cole McDonald can play within himself. Yeah, we might see Shavon Cordero possibly in this game, which is not bad, but it's just kind of annoying a little bit when you have somebody as good as McDonald. Well, he I mean, we know McDonald's ceiling at this point, but we know like he's prone to being very erratic. And so the one thing that could easily go sideways in this game is the fact that, you know, San Diego or San Jose State, excuse me, for as as much as they got carved up, especially in the second half of last week's game. You know, they still keep Boise State fits for at least a little while. Uh, and this is still a team that has only given up 10 touchdowns through the air and has a, a league-high 14 interceptions. Yep. And if you're looking for if you're looking for a potential matchup, disadvantage for Hawaii, it's, you know, if bad Cole McDonald shows up and San Jose State takes advantage of those mistakes. Game um, over. That's a game that where the Hawaii could get down early and have to throw to catch up. And 
maybe they can and maybe they won't. We've kind of seen it play out both ways this year. Yeah, with this one here, like I'm going to call right now, it's going to be another Joshua 400-yard passing game because I don't see why not because he'll have – it's not like an indictment against the, excuse me, the Hawaii defense, but just the amount of possessions and possessions he'll have. Mm-hmm. He's sitting at um, – also, did you notice the number one, number two yards per game passer in this in this matchup? I did know that. Okay, good for him. But making sure other people know it too, Matt. That's oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but what I'm getting at is he's had, what, one, two, three, four, four, four 400-yard passing games. Boise last week. I think he'll do it again, but he's going to need – each quarterback's going to need every yard possible in this matchup. But I think the difference could come down to, like you mentioned, like McDonald interceptions. It's like Josh Love is not as uh, erratic with passing the ball. He's more safe, just to four picks. And Hawaii's defense, we've seen them give up a lot of points. And when you look at what they've given up on uh, pass defense, let me double-check if I'm correct here. They're just about uh, – let's see if I'm correct. I'm like, basically average on like yards per attempt, passing rating. They're kind of middle of the pack. They're a little bit lower in QB rating, which whatever that comes out to be, you can judge for yourself of how much you take into that. But they're basically an, an average pass defense and – only have seven picks, which is right in the middle. They're basically average. And San, you're thinking San Jose State's an above-average passing game. Mm-hmm. So with the amount of possessions, that'll obviously favor Josh Law for him getting more yards and more touchdowns and potentially more touchdowns. But it's I think it's going to be whatever quarterback makes fewer mistakes, I'm leading Josh Love on that. I mean, I think that's definitely a safe bet. I'm going to take the opposite tack, though. Ooh. I think what could make the difference in this game is whichever team runs the ball better. It's a good point, too. Hawaii showed up last week with running the ball a little bit better. Just to, to, to emphasize this point, you know, neither team is particularly good at defending the run. Just pass it the whole game. Just pass it. Come on. Yeah, yeah because they're both, you know, <laughs> Hawaii is 124th in stuff rate. Uh, San Jose State is 120th. So neither one has, has really racked up the TFLs. You know, San Jose State's 116th in power success rate. Hawaii is only 98th. Line yards per carry, you're talking about you know, 110th and 127th, excuse me, uh, for San Jose State and Hawaii. So neither of those teams defend the run particularly well. But it's worth keeping in mind that Hawaii has been an awesome run-blocking unit this year. You know, we talked a little bit ago about how Fresno State was number one on a per-carry basis as far mm-hmm. as rushing offense. Hawaii's right in that mix, too. They're, they're fourth in the conference at 5.24 yards per carry. And in Mountain West play, they've been even better than that. Can, do you know how many hour, how many how, what their yards per carry figure is without looking it up? Um, rip it. What is it? Six point one yards per carry. Six point one. Yeah. Okay though. How do you keep a good offense off the field? I, better defense <laughs> when you can. You, you, you work the clock <laughs> in your favor. That yes. You pull an air but force. It's also, but it's also worth keeping in mind that for all of the inconsistency that San Jose State has had. You know, we saw two weeks ago that maybe they can beat a beatable run defense. And you know, that's exactly what they did against Army, for instance. It's been kind of flashes few and far between. But I think the ability is there for them to be able to do the same thing. So even though it's likely to be a quarterback duel, I think if the game is close late and if one team is leading the other by 10, let's say, it might just come down to, you know, if you have the ball and you know you need to bleed the clock at least a little bit, which team is going to be able to do that or which team is going to be able to defend against that or give their quarterback a chance to come back. Let me ask you this question, though, because, you know, both quarterbacks are pretty good. 
Who would you trust to win a game online? If you had one drive between these two teams, who would you trust more to get to victory? If you oh, need Josh to get... Love, easily. Oh, you would? Oh, not even hesitation. If it's like set, you're 90 seconds left, you're down six, you get the ball at the 25-yard line, you take Josh Love? Yes. Ooh. Because Cole McDonald will try to make some weird pass that looks like worse than Brett Favre? I mean, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think I think Josh Love is less likely to make a mistake. And then that's true, too. That's fair. So how are you landing this one then? Because it seems like it's maybe San Jose? Maybe. Um, FEI likes Hawaii, though, uh, by 10.2 points. That's a lot. Uh, SP Plus also favors Hawaii by almost exactly the same margin, 10.3, which is a 73% win probability. What do you say? I'm going to take the Spartans. Ooh, stick with your team. I think I just... If I'm looking for a less mistake-prone team, I think it's the Spartans. So you trust them going on the road to get to victory? It's it, They're, they're going to have to put up a lot of points to do it, but yeah. I'm going to say San Jose State 45, Hawaii 40. 45-40? Yeah. That's all the points there. It is. Okay, 45-40 Hawaii. Or excuse me, San Jose State. San Jose State wins by five points. How many picks do you perceive perceive uh, Cole McDonald having then? Two. Two. Will he play the whole game? Uh, no. Ooh. Okay. All right. I am going with. I'm looking at the other picks people have. Um, not uh, not many going with San Jose State. I'm going to go with you. Oh, oh, actually, we have a couple more people. I thought. I'm going to go San Jose State as well. I think it'll be not quite what it was last. What was it last year? Like 58, 55 in triple overtime. I. I think wasn't it like forty four, forty one, or something? Something, like that? a lot of points. I think it'll be. I'll do it. Fifty to forty four for San Jose State. It's gonna be goofy. You're gonna want to make sure you stay up for this one. It's on our Facebook page. Go check it out. So my score fifty to forty four. Wow, that's all. All right points. then. And I'm regretting that pick as I speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I don't think San Jose can win, but 90, 94 points. Can't take it back now. It's officially in the books. Hey, you know, you know what though? It's for one, it's honoring what the the point explosion they had twenty years ago. That's true. There's which actually, I believe Banner Society put up an article about that, so you should go check that out. And also, did, yeah, they did that during the preseason. They posted it out. Now, also, isn't this like the? Isn't there some award for Dick Tomey this game? That's as well? exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, so, we didn't think to bring that up. So, what is it exactly called? Because he passed away recently. I believe it's the Dick Tomey Memorial Trophy. Let's see here. Um, here we go. The Dick Tomey Legacy Trophy. Oh, right. There the coach go. will also receive the AFCA 2020 Amos Alonzo Stag Award, which I'm not sure what that is, but I'm sure it's an honor. Sorry if I'm not sure what that award is. But there is that. So the inaugural, which means we're going to be playing for the Dick Tomey Legacy Trophy Award every year now, which has probably the longest trophy name and the only trophy named after a person within the conference in a rivalry. No, that's not true. There's the Cooter Trophy. Oh, who's that named after? Remember we looked this up. It's over like the first commander, like the Pacific, okay. something or other. I do remember. I just wasn't entirely sure. So, <laughs> okay. So the second, sorry, the one to use the first. Also the Bridger rifle. Oh, jeez. Okay, the first one. Okay, so I'm poking holes in your argument now. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, the only trophy that uses first and last name. There you go. <laughs> I got found a way to save it there, possibly. All right, that's our stuff for the week as I'm rambling on and know nothing about trophies, but the Fort Bridger trophy. I want to see what the trophy looks like. Uh, you know what would be acceptable? Why don't they make a bust of Dick Tomey for the trophy? That would be appropriate. That would be awesome. I'd be all in favor of that. 
we'll see what that is. So check us back out Sunday midday. We'll recap all these games and who knows what will happen. And we'll have some bowl stuff looking at possibly because as we mentioned, like Utah State Fresno, loser might be out of the bowl game. Um, San Jose, San Jose State wins could be in mix for bowl game at five and five if they win. Nevada only needs one victory. They got UNLV, so I predict them in a bowl game, even if they lose this weekend. So still a lot to work, look at, a lot to play for. And we'll probably maybe do our kind of, uh, Matt, I assume you'll have your, or at least working on your projected top 25 college football player ranking. We'll probably dive into that for a moment. I will be paying close attention this weekend, so yes. That's right, UConn and whoever they're playing, right? Are they playing Cincy? Yeah, don't don't bother watching that game. Oh, okay. You you want to watch the ECU game, right? The early one? I do want to watch the ECU game, yeah. Okay, Breakfast Football, check that one out, and we'll be back again. MWWire.com, Twitter, Facebook, Mount Wire, MWC Wire. And we'll see you guys Sunday afternoon, folks.